So we're looking then, Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Then Jesus, He said to His disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then, God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is the word of God for the people of God. One of the things in this passage that really stands out to me is when Jesus is talking about feeding the sparrows and adding a cubit, which is about a foot and a half, two feet, to your height. And He says, if you cannot even do these very simple things, (laughs) what it makes you think you can do to rest? Now, let me ask you a question. Who has the quality or authority to say that it's easy to add a foot to somebody's height? And to call it easy. That's a little thing, he says, to add a foot and a half to somebody's stature. To me, that would seem like a major miracle, wouldn't it to you? Wouldn't that be if someone all of a sudden, other than after about a six-month growth spurt, the next moment were a foot and a half taller? Can you imagine that? That would surprise me. It would surprise me if, for example... Landry came in next week and she was taller than Lincoln. That would surprise Lincoln too. Or even at the end of the service, they would be like, oh wow, what happened? I'm surprised. And Jesus says, this is easy. (laughs) Uh, For who? Well, if He can create a universe and all the amazing things in it, maybe that's not so difficult for God. But it's something we cannot do. And Jesus said that's the least Difficult thing for God to do is make someone taller. I have no idea. But I I tell you that because if that happened, we'd all be surprised. I would not only be surprised, I'd be going, there's some sort of trick here. (laughs) I'd be shocked. And she'd also be upset because her clothes wouldn't fit. They'd be all too short. So she'd be a little upset and surprised. I don't know how tall you are now, but I think you'd be six foot six after that, or maybe seven foot tall. I don't think you'd like that. No, but you just say she'd be, yeah, that'd be a surprise. 
And the reason I mention that is because if you got a bulletin on the cover, there's a look on this little boy's face as he opens this box and he's surprised. There's this look of amazement at what's in there. And doesn't it make you wonder what he's looking at? What does he see that's lit up in there causing that box to light up and his face to glow and he doesn't know um, necessarily how to communicate to us what it is, but he's full of on his face this wonderment, the shock. Wow! What kind of box would that have to be for you to get that expression on your face? What would have to be in that box? When's the last time God did something that made you feel like that? To look like that? When's the last time you had that look on your face for any reason? That's that look of surprise. But it's more than a surprise like a surprise party. It's a surprise of, wow, this is for me? This is mine? How? Where? Who? What? You become speechless in moments like that. I was in seminary, I was reading a book by a man named Carlo Corretto. You may not have heard of him, but um, he wrote a book called The God Who Comes. Throughout the whole book, it talks about God showing up. He keeps coming and showing up in different ways in life. He keeps coming. He's always trying to show us who He is. That God is always coming to us. Always trying to make Himself known. He's always trying to surprise us uh, with His amazing love, His amazing grace, His mercies. Always trying to let us know that He's still coming and He always has come. He came as a baby. He came as Jesus. He came as Word made flesh. He came through the fiery furnace as the fourth man in the fire. God continues to come to us. He came to us through Moses when He parted the Red Sea. God was there. When the water came out of the rock in the desert, God was there. He was in the burning bush. God keeps coming to His people. God keeps showing up and surprising us. If any one of those things, of those miraculous ways God showed up in the Old Testament were to happen here and now, we would be just as surprised as they were. I would love, no, I don't know that I would love to, but I would be amazed and surprised if God split the Ohio River as if on dry ground. Or the Mississippi. And I'm not talking about in dry season, I'm talking in flood season like He did for the Jordan. I would be shocked. I would also be hesitant to want to cross it unless I was one of those called to go across it because the water came in on the Egyptians. (laughs) They weren't allowed to be in that water, dry it up. So I would be shocked. And that's the way God shows up, those in ways that you don't expect. Or so it would seem. Yet, here's what happens God is trying to show us that He loves us, that we matter to Him. In the Psalms, it says, Who is man that you are mindful of Him? You created all the expanse of the world and the universe, and yet a single person is foremost in his thoughts. How is that possible? 
How is it possible that God numbers the hair on our head? I'm more concerned with the ones in the brush than in my hair still. The ones I'm losing and turning gray bother me more than the ones that are still around because, you know, the gray ones. We try to get rid of those until we give up. But isn't it true that God knows these things about you? And if you think about it, it says in this passage that God cares about the ravens and Matthew says the sparrows and not a one falls without Him knowing about it. Now, have you ever seen a flock of birds fill up the sky and He knows where every last one of them are? Tell you too that it amazes me. My son James and I were at Prizer Point this week camping and we're sitting on on a uh, concrete picnic table down near Lake Barkley. And, and as we sat there, these bugs that looked like mosquitoes or mayflies or something, I'm not sure what they were, but there was tons of them. And this robin had caught one. It was holding the half of it out of one side of its beak and the other half out of the other side. And it's sitting there looking at us for 20 minutes, just staring at us. This bug's, you know, trying to fly out, but the robin just stands there, doesn't pay attention. And, and I look at the bird and I say, listen, you got one, eat it, get another one. <laughs> There's too many of them. And we just started watching that bird watch us for 20 minutes. It didn't even move. We thought, I wonder if it's even real. And then all of a sudden, it flew away. And said, yeah, it was real. But in that moment, it was like God knew that that robin would be there, we'd be there to watch it, and then for 20 minutes he knew it would be there that long, then it would fly away. Just so we could talk about it. Y'all didn't know about that bird, and I didn't know about that bird before then, and I don't know where it is now. But God provided a bug for that thing to have a meal. A bug that I couldn't stand, because there's like a million of them trying to get me all the time. But can you imagine a God that intimate with His creation that's bigger than we can see and see out with a telescope, even a great one, and yet He's very concerned with even something this big. Or something as small as a hair. He's concerned with that. I can't imagine that. doesn't come to me as something that is fathomable. I can't keep up with my kids, let alone the billion birds in one state. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's beyond my comprehension, yet God does that. Who else can do that? Not me. Not you. Nobody, no computer can. There's no way. Maybe that's why Jesus said it's easy for God to add a cubic foot to a person if He so chose because He knows every single thing that goes involved in it. And from what I understand, when Jesus said in Matthew, in this same reference to the do not worry about the hairs on our head being numbered, that I believe Jesus may have known something about DNA coding. That each hair in our head has a different follicle number for where it goes in our head. DNA coded to go right there. God knows that. If He's down to the micro-spec and yet He's concerned with all the universe, how can He be concerned with me? 
that surprises me. But in 1 John, it goes a little further than that. He doesn't just be concerned with me and you. He loves us. His love is surprising. It even says it like this, What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called His children. Therefore, the world does not know us because it does not know Him. Beloved, we are now children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when we and He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We shall know Him and be known as we are known. God will make that transformation in us. All those great mysteries will be revealed one day. And we will know the answers to why and how and what makes this work and why did God allow that to happen and what caused this event to happen in my life and why did God let that happen and not this? And why is there evil and injustice and immorality allowed to run free rather than godliness and holiness? It is in the world of insanity and craziness and more wickedness that we need a God to surprise us that He's still there. We need that burning bush experience from time to time to be reminded that God's still on the throne. Amen? And that He's still there working it out, doing the things He said He would do, that He will come back as He said and He will fulfill His promises to us. And Jesus says, don't worry about it and don't have an anxious mind. Well, guess what? I've been blessed with an anxious mind. Maybe you don't know what an anxious mind is, but it means in any situation, anxiety wants to pick the worst possible outcome. Or to assume there's a bad situation happening in every situation. Kind of like if you've ever had something go wrong in a situation, and then you expect bad in everything else. When's this going to mess up? I had a college roommate one time and said, everything I touch falls apart. I'm not touching anything. Don't come near me. I'll be your roommate, but don't come on my side. You'll probably get sick. That was his theory in life. And isn't it true that sometimes we feel that way, that things are falling apart all the time? But God says that He doesn't prescribe for us that anxious mind. That worrying mind. There's a church, um, I think it's, it's a Broadway Methodist, or one of the Methodist churches in Paducah has a sign on it that says, uh, if you worry, it won't help you. And uh, so, yeah, it was Broadway Methodist that has it on it. If you get a chance to see it before they change it. If you can't help yourself by worrying, worrying still can't help you. That's what it said. So you, if you can't stop, it's still not going to help. Well, an anxious mind wants to worry. And an anxious mind wants to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's got this. That God knows what He's doing. He's not forgotten. That He knows how to take care of situations. I don't know about you, but when my children aren't around, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder if they're safe, if they're being cared for. And I have to leave that in God's hands and trust that God loves them even more than I do. And I have to trust that they still love me even though I can't see them and hear them say it. 
Isn't it true that as a loving parent, we want our children safe and secure? And we do just about anything we could to make sure that their life turns out in a healthy, good way. Now, wouldn't it be ironic, with God as our Father, that we would think He doesn't want that for us? What kind of love God has bestowed upon us that we would be called His children? In Ephesians, it talks about it like this, that God is able to do more abundantly, if you will, than we can ask or think. He can do exceedingly abundantly. That's more than enough. Above all, we ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. That's what he says in 3.20. Paul says to us that God has this power that's at work in you and I. And what is this power? It's the Holy Spirit within us confirming, as Romans 8 says, that we are children of God, that we belong to the Father, that the Father loves us, that Jesus Christ is real, that He came to Calvary to give His life for us. And that love is unfathomable by thought. Calvary is foolish to the wise in this world, but it's wisdom to those who live it and believe it. There's a man who uh, was trying to do a fundraiser for a ministry a few years ago, and they decided, you've probably seen them around if you've driven anywhere lately, these fireworks stands where they sell the fireworks, you know, 50% off. I don't know what 50% off means, but almost all of them say half off, right? Buy one, get one free, whatever that means. Well, they were doing one of these and running it for a fundraiser, and um, it wasn't going very well. It was a community life uh, fundraiser that they were doing. And he talked about how it was the last day and they were all struggling. He and his wife were disappointed and everything. And uh, they hadn't had many sales that day. And, um, and he was struggling with his own finances. And a guy comes up in a car, waves him over like this. And he says, I'm trying to tear down the stand. I've had a bad day. I really don't want to come over there. But in that morning, he had asked God to surprise him. So God surprised me. And, and he's looking at the guy and he's going, just come over here. And the guy's going, just keeps waving him over. He finally gets to where the car uh, is and the guy has his window down and he sees that the man is handicapped, only has one leg. And the man says, look, I've got this list of work I've got to do to help me. I'm homeless, but I've got a list of all these jobs I've got to get to tomorrow. I don't have any today. Um, I was wondering if I could help you tear your stand down for just enough money to get some gas because I'm almost out of gas. Look, my tank's on empty. I'll use enough gas to get to those jobs tomorrow and I'll be fine. Um, I have a place to stay tonight. I just don't have a way to get there and that's how I'm going to provide. And he had this whole week mapped out of all the work he was going to do. So it was an honest man trying to get some work and, and, he, and he says, I don't have any money. And he pulled open his wallet and showed him he didn't have any money threw his elephant ears out of his pockets and said, look, I've got nothing. And then the verse came to his head that said, what good is it if you see your brother in need and say, have a nice day, but don't help him and you have the way to do it. And he said, listen, 
200 feet up here is a Conoco station. Let's go up there. I've got a debit card. I'll put some gas in your car. So the man drove his car over there, and he's going to stop it at 20 bucks, you know. And he said, you know, that'd be all right, but I bet he'd appreciate a full tank more. So he took what little bit of money in his account. It was 50, over $50 in gas he put in the man's tank, and the man drove away. And he didn't know what he was going to do because the ministry was going to suffer a loss because of this fireworks thing not working. He had all this stuff to pack up because it didn't sell. And as he was walking back, one of the guys who's from the ministry came up to him and said, hey, look, look what we just got. He said, what? It's a $1,000 donation to the ministry. He went, really? You know, that's enough to get us over the hump that we're going to have the loss and make a little bit of a profit. Maybe we can sell this other stuff a little cheaper along the way and we'll have a profit after all. So praise God. And he said, oh, I got another check too. It's $500 just made out to you. It's for you. Somebody randomly said you needed some cash. And he said, do you think that's coincidence that it happened just after he helped the man? Or do you think it was God trying to surprise him to say, you be faithful, I'll be faithful. And here's what he said. The checks were already written. Before I helped the man. Before I had the need. Before I knew God would do that, I helped the man. The check is already written for you on Calvary. God surprises us, doesn't He? Before we even know we need it, before we even pray or decide to be a part of things, the check's already written. God surprised me last night. Had an opportunity to spend some time with some friends, and one of my friends, some of y'all met him, Brad. And I were sitting on our pool deck looking up at the stars and we were talking about the mystery of the universe and the majesty. And he, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, this universe is meticulously created. And if you've ever read about it and studied on it, you, you would never question God exists. And I said, well, it's easier to make an existence of God argument than it is to prove He does not. How could all this stuff get here if something didn't put it there? It's not random because random can't come if there's nothing there to create it. And he, and he told me something, and, and I'd never heard this before. Now, the number escapes me, but he said if you took a scale of the size of our galaxy, you know, put like zero here and a hundred at that end, and, and stretch that scale out and put gravity on that scale for what would work to make this universe work, how much room for error there would be on something that's however many light years <laughs> across this galaxy is and how much room for error and gravity would still work it's one foot on that scale it's such a small amount that if gravity's pull or lack of was changed by that much on that big of a scale by this much on a scale the size of our galaxy this world would not work that can't be random. Our universe would not work 
it would fall apart. Things would not happen and this world wouldn't spin properly and it would not be able to sustain life by just that small speck on the scale of saying, okay, gravity, we're going to change it by one billionth of a billionth of a point so it's no longer 4.7 pounds per square inch but 14.70001, it doesn't work. The world does not work. We can't stay on it. It can't support life. Tell me, is that not amazing? I can't even fathom what one foot looks like on however many light years wide this galaxy is apart. But I can tell you this, that that number is so small at one foot compared to that ratio that I can't fathom it, just as I can't fathom the number of hairs in my head, just as I can't fathom adding a foot to somebody's height in here instantly, just as I can't imagine watching all the birds in this world all at once, not just the birds, but the animals and the people, and then saying, you're worth my time to each of us. That God says to you, you're worth my time in the midst of all that. And He says, I'm going to make a son, my son, my only son, who helped me build all this, and I'm going to send Him for you because I love you. I can't fathom that kind of God, but I like it. I don't have to understand to let Him love me. God's surprises are not meant to just go, that's interesting. He's trying to get this look on your face to get you to connect with Him. God is not so much concerned with the gift He gives you, but with you. And His gift shows you His depth of concern and love. The surprise though, I hope you see this, on His face isn't the gift. He's not surprised about the gift. He's surprised about that the one who gave it would give it to Him. You gave this to me? Not you gave this to me, but you gave this to me. You must love me. The gift is the one who comes with the gift, who gives the gift, who knows and understands what we need. And He says, surprise! I'm real! I really do love you. I really know what you need and I'm here to do it. Don't be so anxious. I got this. And God keeps coming. And I promise you this world's looking for big miracles. But the biggest miracle is God wants us at all. The biggest miracle is that when you look at those stars at night, you wonder who made them and how they got there and you don't have any question that it's a God. And then that God has a son. And He says, yeah, my son's got a lot to do, but He's coming to you. I'm coming looking for you. What did He say to Moses at the burning bush? What did He say? I've heard the cries of my children. I 
I've heard their cry. Does that sound like a detached God who just created and left it? Or does it sound like a God who intimately knows what's going on and He wants to make a way that's perfect? He's not just kind of on time, kind of accurate. He's so perfect you can't even put it on a time-space continuum and take a parcel out of it and say that it's almost. It's spot on. There is no miss. The earth rotates on a 23-degree axis because 23.005 won't work. It spins at 1,000 miles an hour at our equator because 1,010 would be too fast and 990 would be too slow. It's perfect. God doesn't miss the mark. And He doesn't miss the mark of being real and knowing what we need. And so often I pray, God, I want You to surprise me. And He says, why don't You just believe in me? And let me love You the way I love You. And be surprised that that makes all the difference in the world. That's the kind of God I serve. He made the stars. He made a universe so big that we can't see the end of it. And yet Scripture says He's bigger than that. That the universe and all of its glory can't hold all of God. And yet, He is pleased to dwell in the hearts of men. Surprise! Would you pray with me? God, knowing that You love me, sometimes it's easy to say, yes, Jesus loves me, but knowing that You do, amidst all the things that are on Your heart and on Your mind that You have to deal with, and here I am. Here we are. And You're looking right now and saying, I see You. I hear You cry. Amidst the cries of thousands and thousands and millions and millions of animals and other people, you hear each cry here. And you know what we need. And you're attentive to it. And not only that, you're capable of it. And you delight, says your word, in giving us your kingdom. And it makes you happy to love us that way. Thank you so much for that. And may we never lose the potential of knowing that. And never take for granted the moments you give in our lives. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So get ready for our closing hymn. I want to share the last verse in our passage that I read today. It says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That good pleasure, I decided to look that up to see if it meant, you know, he kind of wanted to. And what it says is it brings his heart joy. It delights God to give you his kingdom. So I looked up kingdom. I wanted to make sure, you know, kingdom, what it was. And it's the place where he dwells. It's what he owns. It's his desire to give you all that he has. And if we're worried about little trifling things on this earth, and God has all the universe and all the world in His possession, 
And we're going, God, but you don't understand. I have this need. And he's going, it's not hard for me. Why don't you ask me to do something difficult? <laughs> Maybe because we don't think He will. But I promise you, God loves you. He delights in you. He wants you to know that He's pleased to be called your Father. He's pleased to be the good Father. And He's pleased to be here right now to answer any prayer you might have. As we sing this closing hymn, there's something you need to talk to Him about, ask Him for. Do that as we sing. My hope is built on nothing less